just a couple of announcements. Um, the weekly schedule here at the ashram um, is the Guru Gita chanting on Sunday at 8.30 in the morning and Tuesday and Saturday at 7.30. Study group, Tuesday at 7.30. Shiva process groups on Wednesday at 7.30 and the San Giovanni Mantra and Meditation on Thursday at 7.30. Um, there's also, bookings are now open for the winter retreat called the Heart of Meditation. And it's from June 26th, which is soon, and it goes till July the 4th, 4th of July. And you can book on theashram.com.au. Welcome, everyone. <coughs> it's great on a cold evening to have satsang. It's a really good thing. And I want to welcome you all. And I want to welcome everybody watching in Radio Land. Um, and I always uh, begin the programs by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda. Pictures there, um, who began every program by saying in Hindi, Subko Barisan Mane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome another person with love. So, in that spirit, I want to welcome you. I found, uh, looking through, uh, I have uh, shelves and shelves of notes. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this thing, this gig, for practically 50 years. So you can imagine how many notes I have, and sheets and quotes and things, and old talks. <clears throat> so I was looking through some of the files this week. And I found some wonderful things. And here's a sample. It's a, a poem by Kabir. Kabir's a marvelous 15th century uh, poet saint. He lived in Varanasi. And he was a Muslim who had a Hindu guru. And that's a whole story, which I won't tell you now. Uh, but he was a great uh, writer, a great being. Uh, and Baba used to love him because Kabir would just hit the mark. He didn't mince words. He really hit the mark. But anyway, um, this is from one of his poems. He says, so many bodies, so many opinions, but my beloved is in every body, though invisible. There is no life without the beloved. The self is luminous in each and all. So the beloved is the self, the divine self within every person, that consciousness. He goes on, blessed is the body in which it is known. So the self is invisible, but for the person who realizes the self, who knows the self, that's a great blessing. <clears throat> what are you searching for like a fool, O oh friend? The object of your quest is within you, as the oil is in the sesame seed. 
You know, you have sesame seeds, and if you want to get oil, the oil's hidden in there, but you can't, you can't get to the oil unless you process it. And you can't see the oil just looking at the seed, but the oil's there, you have to do something. And the same way the self is within us, the clear space of good feeling, the place of joy, the place of love within us is there. We're all looking for satisfaction, but Kabir says, we have to look within. He says, O Kabir, Ram is one, but the veil of doubt makes him appear as many. Rare are those who recognize him. Ram is one, but he is spoken of as many. They know him as many who have no guru. My guru is in Benares. I am on the seashore. But God knows that the guru is not absent from my heart, even for an instant. So even though he's far away from his guru, the spirit of the guru, the self, is within him. So that's a bit from Kabir. <clears throat> and uh, the theme of these evenings, for me, is always the theme of great beings. And uh, I was talking to some people tonight, talking about uh, um, my first meeting with anybody who practiced Eastern spirituality, and that was the American sage Ramdas, and uh, <clears throat> I met him at a dinner party in Chicago in 1970, and I was interested in, because I knew about some of his previous career. He worked with uh, Tim Leary at Harvard. He was a psychologist at Harvard. They experimented with LSD, and they got kicked out of Harvard. Then he went off to India, and I thought, that's interesting. So I, I got... Uh, invited to a dinner party, and we were talking, and I was curious about it, because the spiritual path was beginning to open inside me, but it had no point, it had no focus. I just knew that something was happening to me, and that I was looking for answers um, that nobody seemed to have. I was surrounded by all kinds of uh, professors, intellectuals, and highly educated people, but none of them uh, seemed to have any answers. Some of them thought uh, God dwelled in a bottle of scotch, others in a uh, joint of marijuana, uh, and others in some other thing, but um, in a dollar bill. Uh, but uh, nobody seemed to have a real good sense about it. And then when I met Ramdas that evening, he he didn't actually make the point, but the point that I got from the evening was that there were great beings, realized beings, people who've attained the self alive now, not just in some semi-mythological time back in the time of the Buddha or Jesus, but now. That people who'd attained the goal of spirituality, and so it became suddenly a possibility for me. Not something just off in the air somewhere, but a concrete possibility if I could only find one like that. And so uh, that was the beginning of, a few months later, I was on my way to India. Um, so these evenings I always dedicate to the great beings, the great realizers. We've got a number of them pictured 
on the walls around here uh, from many different traditions. They're great beings in every spiritual tradition. And though they define the quest in different ways, they talk about it in different ways, they describe the ultimate goal in different ways, still that goal is essentially one. It's to know the truth within, the self within. And one of the greatest beings uh, <clears throat> is the head of our own lineage. And he is Bhagwan Nityananda. <clears throat> when I got to Baba's ashram in Ganeshpuri after many wanderings, um, he had pictures of this semi-naked man all around the ashram, and I thought, that's curious. <clears throat> and I didn't know what to make of him. In fact, I got a little scared of him. Um, <clears throat> but Baba fascinated me. Baba had so much energy, spiritual energy, and so much wisdom, so much humor, and so much vitality. It was extraordinary. But he kept saying that this person was the source of it all, that he'd been awakened by Bhagwan Nityananda. <clears throat> and so tonight, uh, we're going to hear some of Bhagwan Nityananda's teachings. But first, here's Baba writing about him. And you can watch this. Uh, as, he, uh, as you hear what he said. Baba said, Gurudev Sri Nityananda was a realized being. He was one with Brahman. Brahman is a word for the absolute. It means the highest, most complete thing you can imagine. Um, I like to think of it as pure consciousness, pure awareness, the highest state of awareness. Baba goes on, deeply rooted and absorbed in God, he nevertheless worked actively for the benefit of his devotees. His senses were naturally turned within. His eyes were half open, but his vision was not attracted to outer forms or qualities. With his attention focused inward, he would rest in the light of the inner self. The Hatha Yoga Pradipika which is uh, one of the ancient texts on Hatha Yoga. The Hatha Yoga Pradipika describes the Shambhavi Mudra as attention turned inward, gaze turned outward, without any blinking of the eyes. Gurudev Nityananda was often in this state. There it is, Shambhavi Mudra. <clears throat> A great saint, Tukram Maharaj, said, his one and only passion was the Lord. Bhagavan Nityananda's one passion was the highest truth. Sri Gurudev was constantly engrossed in the inner self. His vision was turned inward. His hearing was merged with the great mantra, the Maha Mantra that underlies all sounds. His pranas, his energy, his vital energy, was one with the inner aroma and his sense of taste with the supreme nectar, the maharasa, which is the source of all the sweetness in this world. So his senses are connected, each sense connected to the absolute, Baba is saying. In such a state, how could the senses possibly be drawn away from the ocean of inner bliss? 
he couldn't be tempted by externals because he was so standing in, in the state of bliss already. Baba says, that state of self-absorption is delicious like nectar and full of love, full of bliss, full of happiness, full of peace. All the saints have described this inner state. If someone who was suffering came to Bhagwan Nityananda and, and talked about all the things he lacked, Gurudev would say to him, everything is contained in your inner self. Everything is inside you. Why are you crying? Search inside. You will find everything within. The people come to a great being like that and they complain this and that. You know, every person has lacks in their life. You only look at somebody else and you imagine that person has a great life. That's not true at all. I don't care how much money they have, how much fame they have, how much success they have. They always lacks because it's the nature of our of this plane of existence, the physical world, to have lacks and frustration. And if we always look outside, we'll always be lacking. The Bhagavan Nityananda said, Look within. When Gurudev was deeply absorbed in the self, it didn't matter who came to meet him. Even some very important person, it would take him a long time to open his eyes and turn his attention outward. This was because he had gone so deep within. Yet at other times he might respond immediately to someone and say, everything is inside you. Not only did he tell seekers that everything was within, he himself was a living example of this truth. He had indeed attained everything within. Tukaram Maharaj says, bow to one who does himself what he instructs others to do. Such a one is divine. Sri Nityananda was a living illustration of the truth of that teaching. So that's Baba on Bhagwan Nityananda. Bhagwan was, was born in South India uh, towards the end of the 19th century, sometime after 1890. And uh, he left home early and wandered uh, in all kinds of places. Apparently left uh, India and traveled overseas, uh, went up to the Himalayas. Who knows what he did, but um, by the, by the uh, early 30s, uh, he got to Ganeshpuri area, about 50 miles from Mumbai. Uh, and he uh, finally settled there, and that's why uh, that village is very blessed. That's where his, his shrine is, his samadhi shrine, uh, and that's where Baba's ashram was, where I studied for a number of years in the early 70s. So, Bhagwan Nityananda. Now, we're very lucky because Bhagwan Nityananda was not a lecturer. He didn't have uh, bookshelves filled with old notes. I don't think he ever had a note. Um, he didn't give formal talks. Uh, but he did make statements occasionally. And we're lucky enough that in the 1920s, when he was in South India, there was a woman who wrote some of them down. Thank heavens she was there. Uh, and she wrote down his utterances, and because of that, we have a book of Bhagwan Nityananda's utterances, and we call it the Chittakash Gita. And his utterances are very interesting because they're like 
Zen koans. They're, they uh, they seem sometimes they seem very ordinary and yet they're very deep at the same time. And sometimes they seem incomprehensible, and sometimes they're very easy to understand. So here are some of his statements from the Chittakash Gita. Bhagwan says, "When you walk in the dark, there is fear, but not so in daylight. Darkness is ignorance." Light is knowledge. The guru is light. Light is the guru. So it's a metaphor, isn't it? Of because uh, you know, gu and ru means dark and light. The, the syllable gu is darkness, and the syllable ru is lightness. And so it said that the guru takes one from darkness to light, from the the state of spiritual ignorance to the state of spiritual illumination. Here's another one. Fear is an imagination of the mind. To the inner eye, there is no fear. And fear is a, a profound affliction of our culture and our time. People are full of fear, full of anxiety all the time. We fear this, we fear that. And now in the in time of COVID, our fears are multiplied. There's fear of health, ill health, and then there's fear of economic problems and all kinds of fears. And he's saying the, the, the solution to that is to go deeper than the fear. The fear is inside you, but deeper than the fear is the self. So you have to dive deeper. He says, it's impossible for the blind man to describe a cart. <laughs> Why a cart? because he's living in the village and there was a cart. For the man without a guru, there is no place in the world. Man without a guru. Without being, having that connection to the teaching, there's no place in the world where there is fearlessness, because he doesn't know how to get to that place. Here's another one. The understanding that there is one self in all is true peace. One self in all. Peace that gives happiness both here and there. Here and in the next world, here and over there, wherever you go, if you know that self, there's peace, there's happiness. This is the word of Veda, the Dharma of the holy the fulfillment of human birth. So he's saying that all scriptures, all teachings, agree that the goal of human life is to know the self. It's not to do this and the other thing that we normally think, but the true goal, after you've been through all the other things and, and seen the, the limits of those other goals, the final goal is to know the self to know the inner self. And when you know the self, then you attain joy and you attain contentment, you attain peace. <clears throat> so he says, it is liberation, the fulfillment of human birth. It is truth. It is the highest state. It is all. It is desireless devotion, nishkama bhakti. So it's loving without wanting something. Loving for the sake of love. 
He says, Nishkama Bhakti is complete absence of desire. And this desirelessness is freedom from cares, which is the true state of the self. When you're not wanting, you're not lacking. And then you're in the state of completion and contentment. Another one. Oh mind, speaking to his own mind, oh mind, give up your desire for this thing and that thing. Serve the truth. Serve the self. Delight in the inner play of the self. Delight in Sat-Chid-Ananda. Sat-Chid-Ananda, of course, is the way uh, the Upanishads talk about the self. It's being, consciousness, bliss. It has an element of knowledge and knowing. It also has a uh, so a thinking element, a feeling element, and it exists, so that's being element. So it's being consciousness bliss. <clears throat> he says, forget day and night. Be forever in the light of, of right understanding. So the real light, the real light is not the physical light, but the light of true understanding. And day or night you can be in that, in that light. See the entire universe as nothing but the self. Let the self encompass the three states of waking sleep and deep sleep. We go through these states all the time, every day sleep, dream, deep sleep, and waking. Sleep, deep sleep, well, deep sleep, dream, waking. We keep going, and he says, Understand, one of the, the Shiva Sutras says, um, pour the self into all of those states. Discover the self as the background of all those states. Bhagwan says, cultivate Mahashanti, the great peace in the self. And you know, I've often talked about his teaching, Bhavana Rako, which means keep the feeling. So this is, this is, Another way of saying the same thing, cultivate Mahashanti. Cultivate great peace. See, great peace is, is something you cultivate. If you don't obsess with negativity, if you choose not to, go, to let your mind go down places into places that disturb your peace, you're cultivating Mahashanti. Usually we indulge agitation, and we, we fester on fear. We, con we contemplate lack, and we contemplate bad outcomes, and so on. And because of that, we experience that. So he's saying, cultivate peace. Be intelligent in how you allow your mind to work. Make your mind go down good channels, channels that uplift you. Cultivate it, bhavana rako. Keep the feeling. Try, for, try always to live in the clear space of good feeling. And when you go away from it, go back to it. And when you're in it, preserve it, hold it. So cultivate Mahashanti. Sing its glory to all the universe. It means, hey, there's great peace within. <laughs> universe... Uh, most people uh, don't know that. 
and those who know it sometimes forget it. <clears throat> but this is the great teaching of the sages, of all the sages, of all traditions. <clears throat> he says, mind will understand truth through the intelligence. Truth is not a religion. Truth cannot be taught. You must discover it in your own self and then expand it in om, and means the experience within. It can only be done through inner experience. <clears throat> now, it's, it's wonderfully abstract, Bhagwan's talk, isn't it? And yet, highly concrete, too. I think it probably touches every person in a different way. And we, some of us say, what the hell is he talking about? And others say, oh, that makes sense. And, you know, when I, when I first got to, to Baba's ashram, he kept talking about the self, the self, and it just drove me crazy. Because intuitively I knew that that was something real, that there was some experience that was in me that I, didn't, I wasn't in touch with. <clears throat> and so it made me strive even harder in meditation to try to find out what that, that place was. This is what Bhagwan's talking about. <clears throat> How are we doing? Are you in a Bhagwan trance yet? Okay, let's do a couple more. He says, sacrifice memory to truth. That's interesting, isn't it? Sacrifice memory to truth. It's like the song says, learn to forget. Sometimes we brood on things. We brood on things and we may bring ourselves down, make ourselves miserable by remembering things and thinking about things. Very important what we think about. Now we're, we're very uh, careful about what we eat these days. And you know, we brood about having the vitamins and the right stuff, nutrients, but we don't think about what our brains are eating. Our brains are eating poison, negativity, fear, resentment, hatred, all kinds of things that go through our brain. We should be, that's even more dangerous to our health than uh, sugar. So, <clears throat> if you thought good thoughts, beautiful thoughts, noble thoughts, you could eat sugar. <laughs> and even gluten without any uh, harm. <clears throat> anyway, sacrifice memory to truth. Thoroughly quiet the mind. Cultivate quietness of mind. <clears throat> Let truth alone remain. Merge truth in the chittakash, in the space of consciousness. Be one with the sky of consciousness. <clears throat> See the universe with equal vision. Realizing equal vision, dissolve the sense of you and I. Recognize truth with this same sightedness. Don't be too involved. Don't have strong opinions. Don't think this and that, but see everything as one thing, the one truth. There is nothing other than truth. This is the state of Satchitananda. 
Truth is the beginning and the end, inside and outside. Truth is one. Very much like Zen Koan. What is this? Truth is everything. Sat. <clears throat> you can do two more of these? <laughs> the quiz will come at the end. <laughs> you can't imagine the quiz. Um, uh, what do you say? I don't know. <clears throat> Bhagwan says, knowledge and ignorance become one with the self through the path of buddhi, buddhi which is higher reason, intellect. So knowledge and ignorance join the self. Peace is as pure as the sky of consciousness. A deep purity beyond the distinctions of pure, impure, eternally pure, formless and changeless. So to get to peace, you have to go beyond form into that which is formless. That is behind the mind, beyond thought, to the place beyond the mind, pure awareness. He says, in peace, form and change unite with the booty, with the higher mind, and expand infinitely in all directions through all things eternally equal. Peace has no purpose no motive. It should never be associated with motive. A lot of times, most of the time, we have an agenda. Somebody says something to you, you can say, what's your agenda? <laughs> what are you about? What are you plotting? But the place of real peace is the one without agendas. It's just there in itself. He says, it is the highest state. <clears throat> and last one. And this one is, uh, you have to think, you have to listen to this with your higher mind. It's sheer poetry. He says, the energy of the Om sound is like an infinite ocean. It moves in all directions. It pervades all, both inside and out. In the form of wisdom, it becomes creation, preservation, Disillusion, it becomes soundless. The unstruck sound merges in consciousness. The unstruck sound is the sound that's always there, that nothing created. When you, when you listen deeply, it's one of the yogas, and we, we practiced this in the, in the study group recently. One of the yogas is to listen to the sounds. And then, so you hear different sounds. You hear my voice, and then you might hear traffic in the street. And then you keep going behind each of those sounds, and you hear sound itself, kind of the hum of the universe. And that's the ultimate sound. And that's what they mean by om. It's the, the hum of the universe, the sound behind the sounds. He says, then they all merge and become one, om and reason the world and consciousness. The world and Om merge into the heart sky. The heart sky merges into wisdom. Wisdom into space. Space and wisdom into the Om. The imperishable and consciousness merge. 
wisdom and the imperishable merge into consciousness. The mind and the self, the self into the mind, all thoughts of form into self through wisdom, cause and effect into self. Sounds like T.S. Eliot, actually, or something. Very profound poetry of the absolute. And Bhagwan is pointing towards an experience that's available to us, but it's only available if we become really still and quiet and look within and discover that place of vibration, that place of eternal vibration and stillness within. So, and what he's basically saying is meditate. That's what we'll do for, for a while. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. <clears throat> and think about what you heard. If there's some phrase, some, some thought that makes some sense to you, that's a clue to going inside. But the, the uh, essence of it is simple. The essence of it is that within every person, there's this possibility. We all look for it. We intuitively know there's something more, there's something more. And that something is within because we all look for satisfaction. We want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel good about our lives. We want to feel good. We want to feel satisfied. We want to feel complete. And the secret that the sages say is that that feeling is within us. And so consciousness, our awareness, which constantly goes out through our senses and looks around and is always thinking and wondering and, and fretting and uh, uh, being neurotic, that same awareness we have to turn within and turn it back on its source and find that place of peace within. Let the mind become quiet. Turn within. Be like Bhagavan Nityananda. The eyes open, the consciousness within, and find that source within. He wasn't he was a spiritual superman, but he wasn't different from us. He wasn't from the planet Krypton. He was an earthling like us. And every one of us can find that place within ourselves if we make a little effort. So let's now for 10 minutes, let's go within, meditate on the self. And if you have trouble quieting the mind, use the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya. Just repeat it again and again because that says, I honor the self, I turn to the self. And so let's meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Dr. Nag Maharaj Kijay will meditate for 10 minutes. <laughs> 